listening to highlights from One Planet podcast interview with Christopher J. Gervais, wildlife conservationist, founder and CEO of the Wildlife Conservation Film Festival. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Extinction can come from a variety of issues. Certainly, over the last 12,000 years, the climate has changed. We went from the Pleistocene period to what, where we are now called the Holocene. And the Ice Age megafauna, the woolly mammoths, the woolly rhinoceros, the ground sloths, saber-toothed cats have all disappeared. That could be for a number of reasons, perhaps some which we'll never know because we weren't there. That could have been climate change, could have been another factor but they never had counted before which is human hunting. Today, we look at extinction and there are species going extinct every day, unfortunately. And they are attributed to deforestation, to the bushmeat trade, to overhunting, to poaching, to change in their environment, climate change. I knew that I had the time. I didn't have a job to go home to. And I stopped in a number of national parks and I had this finding yourself, reinventing yourself moment. And I stopped in one town in Montana where they had a small film festival related to nature. And I said, it's a shame there's nothing like this on the East Coast, nor in a large metropolitan area. So uh, I had come back to New York City and I was a member of a club there. And one evening I was sitting with Sylvia Earle, marine biologist, oceanographer, and the late Jim Fowler, who used to be the host of Mutual Omaha's Wild Kingdom. I'm like, do it. I'm like, do what? Create your own film festival. Why not? You have nothing to lose. And that was March of 2010. And WCFF was launched in Sag Harbor in September. And, you know, the first years, of course, were very difficult. Being brand new to the industry, it was challenging getting filmmakers to submit films, getting funding, which we really didn't have any real funding probably until year seven, to be honest with you. I had to fund this on my own for the first seven years. even today, I still do not take a salary uh, with the WCFS because our funding has improved. It's not near to the point where I can do everything I want for the film festival, for the filmmakers, and there's still not enough for a, a salary compensatory with living in Manhattan. So uh, we continue to grow, continue to evolve. These global partnerships are helpful. And uh, there have been a number of challenges. I said, I mean, the biggest challenge right now that I had is I had the biggest flight of my life. In September of 2021, I was diagnosed with stage three liver cancer. And unfortunately, it's progressed now to where it's stage four. And it's something that I have to fight with every day. Today, I have a lot of energy. I feel good. Some days I do not get out of bed. And unfortunately, the cancer that I have is contracted by maybe 1% of the population. It's cancer of the liver bile ducts. So there's not a lot of research on it. There's not a lot of studies on it. My physicians, they're very candid with me. They cannot cure this. So I don't know how much time I have, whether it's five months, five years, or 50 more years. What they're doing right now is holding it at bay and keeping me alive in the hope that some new drug will come out in six months or a year that will kill it. So I have to remain optimistic. The film festival drives me to have a positive attitude and to stay alive. I try to work as much as I can. I don't work the 60 hours a week that I used to. I work maybe, oh, eight at best. The other thing we would like to establish, and I keep on saying we, but all too often it's me, myself, and I, but is to establish a foundation. And that would be the Wildlife Conservation Film Foundation. And how that would separate itself from the film festival is the film festival will remain intact. 
it would be an umbrella event under the foundation, which would be a 501c3 nonprofit. And the foundation would be to provide funding to wildlife and nature filmmakers across the globe to go out and make these documentary films and independent filmmakers. Those that are not associated with a network that have unlimited funding or a great source of funding, they don't need funding from a foundation. And there are literally hundreds of filmmakers that contact me each year about getting funding. And I wish I could fund them all because many of them are very important projects on endangered species or ecosystems. And the only thing that is preventing them from making this film is the lack of funding. And we know film is very powerful. Some of the films we have shown over the last 13 years have actually influenced policy in countries, banning certain species from being hunted, protecting forests or marine areas as a result of a certain prime minister or prince or princess or other high-level person of authority seeing a film about this particular subject in their own country that they were not aware of, and they decided that, you know, we have to preserve this. So we're very proud of that. We had a number of films that have, in fact, made a significant impact and made change. And we hope that once the foundation is established, that will continue and perhaps even increase. You know, we will never turn down a filmmaker and saying, we're not going to review your film. We're very grateful for anyone who wants to submit a film. Never have I said, no, I don't have the time or the interest to watch this. Everyone's film is reviewed and taken into consideration. And then some years we may have 10 films on one particular species, you know, 10 films on sharks, 10 films on rhinos, and we can't show all of them. We'll have to decide just one or two because we want to make room for the other 100 films that we show during the course of the week. And that's why we started the online film festival back in 2021. Well, we had to then because of COVID, have choice. We couldn't be in the theater. But we'll continue with an online event after the event in New York is over. And we'll show films that didn't fit into the schedule for the event in New York City. And then, as Mia said, not everyone can travel to New York for a film festival, whether it's just for two days or for seven or 10 days. So the online platform gives people worldwide an opportunity to watch the films, listen to the filmmakers and the conservations. Sometimes we'll do a live event via Zoom where they can ask questions. Sometimes it's pre-recorded, but again, it gives people the opportunity to enjoy this, even though they can't be present uh, physically at the event. But a lot of species that are gone or close to being gone are ones that just don't get the media attention, so to speak. And the fact now that we have endangered plants and flowers, endangered trees is really a startling statistic. That's something that I did not think would happen. I mean, most recently, koalas in Australia were put on the endangered species list. I remember, again, as a young lad, there were millions of koalas in Australia. And the fact now that we're even discussing the possible risk of extinction for koalas is just mind-boggling. That is something never I thought in my lifetime. I would hear because who does not love a koala? It's one of the most lovable, adorable animals that's out there. But between habitat loss, human encroachment, disease, fires, which were far more devastating than we anticipated, it's estimated that 3 billion animals were killed in the wildfires, I guess that was two, two or three summers ago, on a kangaroo island, which is another potential film project we're looking at. There were 65,000 koalas 
Now that number is down to less than 3,000 in just a period of about eight years. So to say that you know, the earth is not in trouble is just plain ignorance and stubbornness. Uh, one does not have to be a PhD or a scientist or a filmmaker to realize that we're moving in the wrong path. And we're moving in a path that's not just going to affect biodiversity. It's going to affect us as the human species. Eventually, it's going to come to the point where we're going to find ourselves in trouble. As you said, the soil is being degraded. That will result in the food that we can grow. Crops will survive. Air quality, water quality. And regardless of where you live, whether it's China or Chile or the United States, we breathe the same air, we walk on the same soil, we drink the same water. It all comes into a harmonious or what was a harmonious balance. Now that balance has been disrupted and is threatened worldwide. We need people to actually take action, to get their degrees in science, to be a contributing factor to the issues that are at hand that are problematic. And while some activists do get their message across in a positive way, people always say to me, oh, you're an environmentalist. Like, no, I am not an environmentalist. I'm a conservationist. There's a big difference between the two. But getting back to our educational outreach, Cecilia, I think you mentioned you, you are from China. When we were in Dali in Yunnan province, we had thousands of students, probably over 10,000 in the course of a week, come from different high schools and universities throughout the province and surrounding province came to the to the film festival and I brought some handout materials and they were gone within the first half an hour of the first day. So clearly there was an interest there about the ongoing issues of wildlife and biodiversity, not just in China, but worldwide. So that was encouraging to see that many younger people, the younger generation, have a genuine and sincere interest about what's going on. And I hope that will continue and increase worldwide. Because that's the only way things are going to change. I, as an individual, can only do so much. But our future leaders who are in middle school, high school now, whether they become leaders in the corporate industry or they're members of philanthropic or royal families who will be in the position to make change, they're the ones we need to get on board ship and to make what we've discussed today a reality, not just talk, but to take action. And I'm encouraged that I've seen younger leaders move in that path and in that direction, and hopefully they'll continue to do so and others will follow. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.